You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. Good morning, everyone. Today, we will be talking about the second part of our series that is entitled Christmas Through the Centuries. Last Sunday, we looked at Christmas from the eyes of Moses. We learned that during the fall of man when Genesis 3.15 was written, it was a, an announcement in a form of a prophecy that in the days to come, even if the situation was seemingly a defeat for humankind because they disobeyed God, Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord. And yet in the future, as Moses looked forward when he wrote down Genesis 3.15, it gave us an idea that in the day to come, there is going to be a victor who will be born. And that, was, that prophecy was fulfilled in the very birth of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we learned that Jesus is the victor against Satan. And we all experience victory in him because he truly won the victory when he was crucified at the cross at Calvary. Today, thousands, hundreds of years later, we will go to the time of Isaiah. Okay? And in the time of Isaiah, there is something that happened also that we could learn a lot from. And this morning, we will be delving into this passage. While studying this text, I thought of my own experiences while raising up my children. There are times that we find ourselves in a situation where we make arguments with each other, with us parents and the children. There was one time that they were insisting about the kind of clothes that they would wear. And as parents, we often tell them, you choose this one because this is a cold season. If you choose that kind of clothes that you have in mind, if you wear them this time, you will struggle later because it's going to be very cold. But there are times that children would really insist of what they wanted. Even if parents already knew what's going to happen next, even if we explain it to them, they would sometimes insist about what they want. Well, parents know better as of this time because we knew what's going to happen next as we already know the consequence of it. As I have told you last Sunday, God has given us the freedom of choice, but we do not have the power to determine the kind of consequence that each of the choice that we make. It's already like predetermined. When you kill someone, there is a predetermined consequence for that. You will be chased by the law. That's a consequence. So it's a decision that you have whether to kill someone or not. But the consequence of that action that you will do has a corresponding situation already. So as I have said last time, we are given the freedom of choice, but we don't have the power to determine the kind of consequence of the choice that we make. So I was telling, we were telling our children, you wear this kind of clothes because if you follow what you want, later you're going to struggle. But they insisted sometimes. And there are moments that when my wife and I look at the consequence and we say, it's not really actually very fatal, so we can just allow them to really insist with what they want and allow them to do it and let them learn the hard way. So there were times that, okay, you do it because that's what you want. And we would wait for them to really experience what we were talking about. 
And when the, it's there already, it's the time that they would feel bad about their decision. And as I was thinking about this, yes, this is in fact a reality not only about children. Because there are times that when we think, when we are facing choices in life, there are times that we make choice. We decide that is not according to, we, according to what God wants. We insist about what we want. And if that happens... Will God abandon us when we make the wrong choice? Will God leave us? This is exactly the experience of Ahaz, a king of Israel back then in the north. And we'll see what happened to this guy and what kind of decision he made and what, how God responded when he made the wrong choice. Let's look at the passage this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. Okay? This guy made a wrong choice. Will God leave him? Let's look at Isaiah 7, 1 to 17. From the New American Standard Bible, 1995 edition. The word of the Lord says, Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, The Arameans have come in Ephraim. His heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the winds. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son Sir Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him, Take care and be calm. Do not fear and do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands. On, on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah, because of Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has planned evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabil as king of, in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Razin. Now within another sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered, so that it is no longer a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you will not believe, you surely shall not last. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as shoal, as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Ahaz, the king of the south. Now, I want us to be familiar about the characters that are involved 
in this narrative, okay? One of the main characters that we have in the story here that is part of the prophetic utterances of Isaiah was Ahaz. He was the king of the southern part of Israel. Remember, I told you before that in the earlier time of Israel, there was only one unified kingdom under Saul, under King David, and under Solomon. But later, after Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two, the north and the south. The northern kingdom was composed of the nine tribes of Israel with some Levites with them. And then the southern part of the kingdom was composed only of Judah and Benjamin and some Levites with them. So the, the, northern, tribe, the northern tribes composed the northern kingdom and then the south was composed only of Benjamin and Judah and some Levites. Now, this is what happened this time. During the divided kingdom, when Ahaz was reigning, the kingdom on the north and Syria, you go beyond the border of the northern kingdom, you will find the nation called Syria. Syria and the northern kingdom tried to convince Ahaz, the king of the south, they tried to convince him to ally with them so that they can rage war against the Assyrians. This is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 16, I think, verses 5 to 9. You could see there in your Bible. You look at this account, and then the two kings at the north ask him to join them. Let's join together our forces, and let's fight the Assyrians. But Ahaz refused the offer. The refusal of Ahaz became like a declaration of the south to wage war against them as well. So the two kings, the king of, of, the king of Syria and the king of the northern kingdom, didn't like the idea, didn't like the decision of Ahaz not to ally with them. So what they did this time was they talked with each other and they decided to invade the south. They decided to invade the kingdom of Ahaz, not knowing that Ahaz refused their offer because he had a secret ally with the Assyrians. So take note of this. There was Ahaz, the king of the southern kingdom, and then there were, there were the northern kingdoms, the kingdom of Syria and the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. Along with this political problem was the Assyrian Empire. Okay, take note of these places and names that I am talking about. Ahaz was offered an alliance by the northern kingdom and Syria, but he refused because he had a secret ally with the Assyrians. Okay? So Ahaz was so confident about the situation now, despite the unstable political condition surrounding him. He was feeling good about it because the Assyrians were so powerful during those days. So he said, I have an ally with this powerful nation. I don't need to ally with you. I am strong. I am stable. However, he didn't know that one of the days to come, the Assyrians would betray him and will become his number one problem as well. Later, that's going to be part of the story. So, but for this moment... He refused the offer of the northern kingdom and the Syrians. And so these two kingdoms decided to invade him. 
they said, let's, let's destroy the south. And when they started camping near the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Ahaz, when they encamped there already, the report was brought to Ahaz. When he received the report, he felt terrified about it. He was afraid, and the, the Bible tells us that he was, his heart was shaken. As the trees and the leaves outside are shaken by the wind, his heart and the hearts of the people living at the south. They were so afraid that these two kingdoms, the Syrians and the northern kingdom, what is this kingdom, were already encamped near them to rage war against them. He was afraid about this situation. He was scared. His heart and the hearts of the people were shaken. It was during this time that God spoke to Isaiah and said to Isaiah, Isaiah, this is the time that I will send you to Ahaz. I want you to go to him, and I want you to negotiate with him to shift his trust from relying on the Assyrians to his allegiance to the God of Israel. Because his trust was really toward the tangible and visible. This is a very human tendency. We find it so hard to trust someone who is unseen and cannot be touched. That is why you ask a child to go to a dark room, the child will be afraid. Even if you tell the child, Jesus is with you. Remember one time, there was a child that was asked by the parent, you go to the, to the kitchen. And the child said, I'm scared, it's dark. And the mom said, don't worry, Jesus is going to be with you as you go to the kitchen. The child looked at the mom and said, mom, can you please just ask Jesus to go there and get the knife for you? He's afraid. Because even if the mom said, Jesus is going to be with you, he does not touch, he cannot touch him. He does not see him. Human tendency is we trust more with something tangible and visible. That is why it's so easy for human beings to trust our wealth, to trust our skill, to trust our ability, to trust the people around us. The reason for that is that's our inclination. We trust something that is tangible. We trust something that is visible. And that is exactly what happened here with Ahaz. As Isaiah went to him, the negotiation started. God's way of convincing was really so, what is this, visible, and yet he refused. Look at the conversation that Isaiah had with this king. If you look at verse 4, this is what you would see. God convinced Ahaz to stay calm despite the threat of the northern kingdoms the kingdom of the north, and the kingdom of Syria. They were there in camp already. And this is what God told Ahaz through Isaiah. Do not be afraid. You stay calm. You can be calm even in the presence of the enemies. And the only thing that you need to do is shift your trust from the king of Assyria to me. You trust me. I can handle this for you. In fact, God described the northern kingdom of Israel and the Syrians as two smoldering stubs of firebrands. Ug sabisaya pa, pwede lang pangsugnod ning mga tawhana as far as my, my end is concerned. I can handle them for you. Ahaz, you gotta shift your trust from the king of the Assyrians to me. If the king of the Assyrians will not protect you 
from the hands of these Syrians and the northern kingdom, I will protect you from them. In fact, I have all the power in my hand at my own disposal. I can handle this for you. You don't have to fight these two nations. I will take care of them for you. Easy. There's no problem. But Ahaz found it hard to trust the words. He held on to the secret ally that he had with the king of Assyria. So despite that, that negotiation that happened, despite those words of God through Isaiah uttered to him, he, didn't, he wasn't convinced about it. So what happened next was God did not give up on him. God continued trying to convince him. So you, looking at verses 5 to 9, this is what happened. God now tried to convince Ahaz by assuring him that the plans of these two kings, the king of Syria and the king of the northern kingdom, these two kings will someday be totally eradicated from the face of the earth. God told them, these guys, they will disappear. In fact, God mentioned especially here the northern kingdom telling Ahaz, Ahaz, in the years to come, I am going to blot these people out of the, the census that I will do on earth. Why? They will totally disappear. They will be dispersed. And this prophecy, this prophetic utterance that God uttered through Isaiah really happened later when the Assyrians in 786 BC, when the Assyrians invaded the north, they uprooted the northern kingdom occupants and they, they brought them all over the world. They scattered them that until today, the northern kingdom of Israel is called the lost tribes of Israel. You cannot find them. You cannot name them. You cannot locate them. They are missing. They are lost. That was prophesied here by God through Isaiah before Ahaz. So Ahaz, you don't have to be afraid, okay? They will not prosper against you. I will handle them on your behalf. But what happened? Ahaz didn't believe it. Ahaz refused. Ahaz didn't take the offer of God. He continued with his secret ally with the king of Assyria. Oh, by the way, don't get confused. Assyria is different from Syria, okay? The Syria allied with the northern kingdom, but Ahaz had a secret ally with the Assyrians. So God continued to offer these things to Ahaz, but Ahaz kept refusing. Will God abandon him this time? After refusing constantly the offer of God, will God leave him? We'll continue with the passage. Beginning with verse 10 to 13, this is what God told Ahaz. God now tried to convince Ahaz by giving him the prerogative to ask for signs. Remember a few Sundays ago, when God called Gideon to become the judge over Israel to rescue the Israelites against the Midianites? When God called Gideon, he wasn't sure about it. He was confused about the call of God. He does not like to go because he was scared. He was confused and God was just waiting for him and Gideon asked for a sign from God and God gave it to him to confirm the calling. And this time, God was talking to Ahaz through Isaiah. You ask for any sign and you make it big, God told him. 
you make it big. That is something impossible for men because I am going to do it for you just for you to believe in what I am saying. I can make the impossible possible for you. Just ask for a sign. Say it and I'll give it to you. Say it and you'll have it. But Ahaz said, no. I won't. I will not put the Lord to the test. That may sound so godly, but the context of this passage is it was God himself telling him, you ask for a sign so that I can prove to you that I am really true. So that I can tell you and I can convince you fully to do what I'm telling you to do. But Ahaz refused. Ahaz refused. Continually refused. Will God abandon him? Will God abandon a child that keeps on refusing his offer? What happened next will melt our hearts. Because looking at verse 14 of the text, it was when God gave the prophetic utterance about the coming of a little boy named Emmanuel. After receiving the negative responses from Ahaz, God enforced a powerful reminder of his presence in the midst of trouble that the southern kingdom will experience due to the wrong decision that the king made. Ahaz said to God, no, I want it my way. No, I will continue trusting my secret alliance with the Assyrians. No. And God came into the picture again and spoke to him through Isaiah. God said, Ahaz, because you made the decision, you made your choice. There is a corresponding consequence to the choice that you have made. In which you don't have the power over it. It's predetermined. You refused my offer. This is the consequence. You got to go through it. And what's the consequence? You read further in the text, beginning with verse 17 of chapter 7. You will find there that the Assyrians later, they betrayed Ahaz and began invading the other parts of the southern kingdom. How would you feel if you were betrayed by the alliance, by that person that you have trusted so much? He was betrayed. You look further, and thus you would see. And the next thing that happened, the invasion happened at the south. Initial destruction of the southern kingdom took place, made by the Assyrians. And yet here is what God told them. When that invasion comes because of the wrong decision, the wrong choice you have made, when the consequence, the dreadful consequence of your choice would come, listen very carefully, a child will be born, and this child shall be called Emmanuel. What does that name mean? What's the meaning of the word Emmanuel? Emmanuel means God with us. By the time the baby was born, in the midst of that dreadful condition because of the consequence of the decision that the king made in the earlier part of the story, God reveals himself again and tells everyone in the midst of fearful condition, I am with you. It's amazing to think that after the constant refusal that A has made before God, Refusing his offer of redemption, refusing his offer of protection, he constantly refused, and yet God remained 
His presence being with them. God truly does not abandon His people. How many times have we made wrong choices in life? Once we make a wrong choice, there is a predetermined consequence that you and I would really go through whether we like it or not. But in the midst of that dreadful consequence, there is the reassuring presence of the Almighty God in the lives of His children. It is the presence of God. There was one time I attended a funeral service. They asked me to speak. And then in one of the eulogies that was given, one of the relatives said, We know that you are already in heaven. And we know that every day in our lives you will be with us to protect us. That's not biblical. Your dead loved ones cannot protect you. Who's going to be with you? It's not your dead loved ones. It's God Himself who shall be with you. Even if you are facing the consequence of your wrong choices, the presence of God is not withheld from His children. God uttered that before Ahaz. He'll do it for you today. My friends, when was the last time that we have made a wrong choice? Maybe we are still reaping or experiencing the consequences of those wrong choices we made in the past. But here comes the reassuring presence of the Almighty that despite of our wrong choices, His presence is still manifested in our midst. When my children insisted of wearing thin clothes in a cold season, in the middle of the night, we saw them with their skin appearing like a chicken skin. When you feel so cold already, diba? parang magkakaroon ng butlig-butlig or butoy-butoy yung skin mo because of the coldness. When they insisted of wearing the thin clothing, in the middle of the night, my wife and I woke up. We saw them suffer. And it cannot stop our hearts being melted with the situation. We took the blanket cover them, and embrace them with our hands. It is exactly what God does. When His child commits a mistake, sometimes we feel He abandons us. But when God sees us going through the consequence, God would continue to remind every one of us, my child, I have never left you. I am still here. Come to my embrace, and I will hug you. In the eyes of Isaiah, a dreadful consequence is about to come. And yet, he looked forward to that first Christmas, even if he didn't know that it's going to be called Christmas. He looked forward and told his people that God will never abandon us. The coming of Christ in a form of a babe in a manger is a reminder to all of us that in every situation we face, even if we face the consequence of our own choices and our own mistakes, God will not abandon His children. When He sees you getting cold, when He sees you getting afraid, He comes and tells you, My child, I am still here. I am with you. Don't run away from Him because He'll never give up 
on you. God bless you all. Good morning. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekai Ministries. See you there!